0: Welcome to the Learning for Good podcast. Nonprofit learning leaders want to develop the skills their people need to scale their mission and create greater impact. If that's you, you're in the right place. This show guides you through learning and development best practices, top trends, and aha moments so you can deliver the very best staff development opportunities, even in a virtual world. It's Learning for Good with your host, Heather Burright.
1: There is nothing worse than joining a virtual training and realizing it could have been an email. You don't know why you're there, what you're supposed to be learning, or how it's going to impact you and your role in your job. My goal is to get rid of the could have been an email blues. And there are many different ways that you can do this. As long as what you're doing is strategic and compassionately human-centered. But the element that we're gonna talk about today can help transform your training. And I'm so excited because I've invited a learning and development leader, Monique Purnell, to join me. Monique is the learning and development manager at Alpha Gamma Delta International Headquarters. And we're gonna talk all things storytelling. Let's dive in. It's learning for good. Monique, I am so glad that you are here with me today to talk uh, more about storytelling. Um, But before we jump in, I'd love to hear a little story from you. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your career journey, um, where you've been and what you're doing now
0: yeah thank you for having me um so my path to learning and development was a little different Um, when I graduated college with my theater degree I actually knew nothing about the L&D space which I don't think that's uncommon for a lot of people in this guild but I had no idea my goal was to become a theater teacher in a high school I wanted to build programs theater programs in rural areas in the U.S. that lacked access to the arts Um, But that changed. I actually ended up going into higher education. And so I worked in student services and student access roles for about 10 years of my life. Um, And so I've done roles such as um, a research grant coordinator. I've worked in admissions, financial aid, um, but predominantly I've spent time as an academic and career advisor. So I think probably the last six or seven years of my time in higher ed was spent um, as a career and college advisor. And I really enjoyed that role. I really loved working with the students um, and being able to inspire them, helping them work through problems they were having um, within the college and making sure that they had a successful um, and welcoming journey while they were in college and also really helping them craft their future. So like I said, I did a lot of career advising in this role too. Um, And I enjoyed that. But sometime around 2020, Um, I burnt out, as we all experienced, um, the pandemic, Um, and so it just wasn't a great time for me to stay in this role, and I was really looking to change in my career goals, Um, and I had to give myself the advice that I gave my students, and that was, you can change your mind, you know, your first career does not define me for a lifetime, and so I myself took that advice and started doing some career searching. And I came across the field of learning and development and instructional design. And so that really piqued my interest because I could still work with learners, which I was really passionate about, but also use that creative side from my theater background, which I had been craving for several years. Um, And so also really integral to the story is around the same time I started working, um, volunteering, really, with my um, national sorority building curriculum. And that's actually how I met Heather. Uh, We built curriculum for um, the collegiate members in our sorority organization. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed it. So flash forward, fast forward to 2021, I decided to leave my role as an academic advisor. And I spent the last year working um, in freelance on building curriculum for different organizations. And most recently, I took on a role um, back in August. As the learning and development manager at Africa Delta International Headquarters, which is also a sorority. It's an international sorority. And so I love it. I get to build curriculum for the collegiate members that um, touches on professional development, personal development, leadership development as well, um, and manage a lot of the learning programs that they
1: have there. That's awesome. I love hearing how people's careers progress because they are so different, so unique to each individual. Um, and to think about kind of where you were in kind of that academic advisor role and how you use that. Uh, through your transition. And then now in your current role, you're kind of using the best of both, right? Well, best of all three, I I would say, (laughs) the theater, um, the academic advising, um, and then the curriculum work that uh, you were doing both in a volunteer capacity and as a freelancer as well. And you've kind of combined all of that into Mm -hmm. this amazing opportunity um, with the sorority that you're with now. So, and how much are the people going to benefit from that, right? To have all three yeah. of those things together. Um, I don't know. I find that really fascinating and exciting. So thank you for sharing a little bit about your um, career journey with us. So we're talking today specifically about um, kind of virtual training, though I would say this applies to all training and it's probably not just virtual, but you know, for for today's focus, (laughs) we're going to talk about virtual training and we're talking about storytelling in virtual Mm -hmm. training because virtual training can be, um, if it's not designed well, it can be Boring, And that's not what we want. We want training that is designed well, that's really engaging, um, that's effective, it helps organizations meet the goals that they have, Mm -hmm. um, but keeps learners, um, you know, engaged in the process, hands on, so that you're seeing that behavior change. Because it's virtual, the hands on piece might look a little bit different than it would in an in person classroom. And so one of the elements that you can use in in in-person training but is really effective in virtual training to start to get people to think about how they might use something on the job or how they might make a behavior change, um, storytelling is really a great way to do that. And so I'm curious to hear from you how you've used stories in virtual training.
0: Yeah. Um, So I actually like to use stories in virtual and and in-person training. different ways. So the first way is taking the learner on a journey. And then the second way is allowing that learner to steer the journey. So the first one is a little bit more passive, but still equally effective. And so I do want to share an example of um, a program I worked on. Last summer, I was contracted to build curriculum that trained employees on um, the various retirement savings plans that were available to them. And so there were two pain points here. One, we wanted to make it engaging and exciting. Um, and not boring. If you have ever sat through a benefits package presentation, they're not always the fun, (laughs) the most fun um, presentations to sit through. So we wanted to make sure that we we were able to deliver really complex information in a way that was retainable and um, exciting. And then second, um, the organization had a very diverse learner audience. So they were multi-generational, Um, and they were in different places in their careers. So we had to work out um, a way to uh, present the information so that everyone, it was relevant for everybody. And so the best way to do that, I thought, was to write a story. Um, So in this training, we introduced two characters, um, Jim and Megan. And so these characters span generations and had varying years of service to their organization. And they also... Uh, had different goals for retirement. And so this was really important because this impacted um, what options were available for them in their retirement savings account. Um, And so we carried these characters through the entirety of the training. And as we introduced um, a different concept, a different plan, we would bring um, Jim and Megan back into the storyline to talk about how this impacted them. And at the end of the day, they ended up making a decision on a plan that best suited their needs and best suited their life goals. Um, And so I think that was just a really engaging way to really put the learners in the shoes of those characters. It was relevant to them. And they could really see themselves in that position because they were in that position. Um, And so that, like I said, it's more of a passive approach, but still an effective approach. And my second approach, I won't um, go too deep um, into an example, but the second approach I like to take is having those learners steer the story. And so this might, um, this might look like scenarios or case studies where I have learners, um, they give them a scenario that has a problem that they need to solve and I put them in breakout groups. Whether they're in-person or virtual, it's great because it works in both mediums um, and give them some time to answer that problem.
1: Yeah, thanks for sharing those. Um, I've used both of those story types as well. Um, and I love your, um, your point about diverse learners and really trying to make things relevant to, um, to everyone who might be um, included in a training. Um, and stories is one way that you can pull people in because there's probably going to be some part of that story that mm-hmm. someone will um, resonate, you know, and they'll be able to relate to. And so stories is a great way to bring, um, people together, uh, when maybe they are in different, for example, points in their career or Mm -hmm. different geographical locations or whatever the case is, you're, you're bringing people together through that story Story stories. Are known to kind of unite us and engage us, um, and so they really are a great way to bring people together in the learning process. Um, so that brings me to my next question. Um, obviously, with a theater background, um, stories are probably something that are come naturally to you, but why are stories important for learning?
0: Yeah, so um, really from the beginning of time, we have used stories to teach lessons. So. If you think about the renowned philosophers such as Plato and his Allegory of the Cave, we think about parables from religious figures and texts, and we even think about cultural stories that have passed down through generations. And we've always shared those lessons through the art of storytelling. And in that list, we can also include film and live plays um, that leave leave us with life lessons today. And this really reminds me of a time when I was a kid. Um, So whenever I would come home, With a grade that was less than satisfactory, my parents would say, you can remember what you um, watched on TV last night, but you can't remember what you learned in class. And, you know, it stung a little, but they were right. Um, And that's there's some science behind that. So research um, shows that it's easier to process information that's given in a narrative presentation um, than it is in any other form of presentation, such as lectures and PowerPoints. And it's because narratives are so close to um, the basics of human communication. We retain details um, much easier from a good story that's rich in detail. Um, and so some researchers say it's because it creates um, memory patterns. Our brain will take relationships between ideas and concepts, and it will make patterns and store that into our memory. So it makes it easier to retain the information but also we place ourselves in those stories. We, it resonates with us, right? And we live vicariously through that story. Um, and it invokes different emotions for us. Maybe it inspires us, maybe it reminds us of something we need to do, whatever the case may be. Um, we're living through that experience. And if you're living through that experience, you're more likely to remember it. Um, and I like to kind of attribute this quote, um, the my Angelou quote, I've learned that people will forget what you said and they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And so when we are presenting really um, amazing stories into our learning, they're going to remember those emotions that were invoked during that time. And then the last thing um, is that storytelling is really central to our meaning making um, and our sense of making meaning to different concepts. So through storytelling, we're able to live out those concepts and gain a new perspective and make connections to ideas that maybe we hadn't seen um, before through a different lens. And so it really gives us the opportunity to piece those concepts together, whether um, you're learning about social emotional learning or you're learning about why you're doing something on the job and and why it's important that we follow it in steps one, two, three and not ABC. So really knowing that and knowing how um, stories really help us retain information It seems like a no-brainer that we would use stories um, to help our learners um, meet those learning objectives that we've set.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. And I love that it's backed in science, but also we can just see it. If you look at history, you Mm -hmm. can just see how they've been used. Um, And I would say look at other industries too, because um, learning, the kind of learning field might not use it as often um, as they could. But if you look at marketing, right, it's so powerful. If you look Mm -hmm. at fundraising, so powerful. Everywhere you look, these other um, industries, so to speak, are using stories to create whatever behavior change they're looking for, right? (laughs) Like buy my product or donate to my organization or whatever it is. They're using stories to motivate people to do those things. And we can do the same thing in learning, which is what I, I love. And I'm so glad that you're here to share more about that with us. But it isn't something that people do all the time in learning for some reason, right? Um, What makes it challenging? Why do you think it is that it's not something that people reach for all the time?
0: Um, I think because people probably just don't have a lot of experience in creating stories. Um, Not everyone has like that creative side we're a little bit more logical in the way that we think about things. And so it can be really intimidating. Um, But out there, um, for me, some challenges that that I have in storytelling um, is really understanding the audience. That can be a challenge sometimes um, and really working to use universal language. So I mentioned earlier, like um, when I built that training last year, the learners were multi-generational and they were in different places of the career. But also you might have learners who come from different backgrounds. And so really understanding um, when you're building your stories, you, you want to make sure you're not offending anyone and you want to make sure there's enough context to where anyone who walks up the street can understand what you're saying. And so sometimes that um, makes a challenge. That creates a little bit of a challenge. And then also, um, I don't know about you, but I like context, context, context. Um, and so for me, I like to bid all the information that I can to make sure that uh, my learners um have what they need to make that behavioral change. And so that's a challenge, um, really just kind of editing and scaling back, because when we are in the screening, we got to understand we are not writing a screenplay. We're not writing a novel. um, We have a finite time to connect with these members. And so we really have to um, really be particular about what's the most salient piece of information um, that we need to add into the story to make sure that we are hitting our targets.
1: Yeah, that's a good point um, because it is, especially if you think about a virtual training in-person, you have a little little bit more leeway maybe with time in some cases. Mm -hmm. Um, With a virtual training, you're typically looking at an hour, 90 minutes, two hours, and that's kind of what the time that you have. You might have multiple sessions, but in the time that you have with the learners, um, it's usually more limited. So how do you provide them enough context so that they Mm -hmm. understand the story, they relate to the story, they can follow the storyline and see how it applies to them? But also um, leave room for you know whatever else it is that you need to accomplish in that two-hour session. Um, so that's a good that's a good point, and that is a challenge, right? It's always a challenge to kind of scale back um, mm-hmm. once you have all of the information. It's hard to kind of think through like what are the most important point, points? Yeah. What are the things that people really need to know in order to in order for this to be effective? Um, So I'm curious, uh, to the point of it being challenging, to the point of it being used in other fields, but not used as often in learning, um, if someone has never used stories in learning before, where do they start? What's a good place to kind of get started with this?
0: Yeah, Um, so I mentioned before, like a challenge is being intimidated by the process. I would say just jump in with um, developing your structure for the story. Um, And there are so many different ways you can structure a story. It's linear, nonlinear, circular, interactive storylines. And those can get kind of complex as we move through those. And again, we're not not writing a script, right? Um, So if you are just jumping into um, storytelling, my recommendation is to start simple with your storyline structure. Um, Start with a linear structure. And at minimum, that structure is going to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So you want to have your exposition, which opens up the story, and it introduces the characters in that scene. It sets the tone for what we're going to learn for the rest of the um, course. And then you want to follow that that up with a series of incidents um, and events that drive the story along. Um, This can be the climax or the conflict in the story. Um, And so this might be where you present a problem that employees have to work through um, or a decision that needs to be made such as choosing a retirement savings plan. And then you want to close out that story with a resolution. We want to resolve um, whatever that um, conflict is. So we've solved the problem, we've made that decision. um, And at the end of the day, we have uncovered the lesson that was really kind of hidden in that story in a fun way. Um, I would also highly encourage you to take some time to really give life to your characters. Like I said earlier, uh, we see ourselves in these stories, but if we don't have enough detail, it's not told really well. Um, I can't connect with the character; it just it goes over my head. Um, so, really take that time to plan out your characters. Think about their motivations, their values, their background, um, and think about how that connects back to your learner. So you're making it relevant. Um, And you don't have to be extraordinarily detailed. Again, we have a finite time to connect with them, but um, have enough detail of your character, have enough development of that character to make them really relatable. And if you um, have ever created learning personas, when you're creating training, it's a very similar concept. Um, And so if you're having some trouble finding inspiration on how to develop those characters or even how to develop that story, my suggestion is to look to real life experiences. So much of art is already inspired by life and we know that. So if you're struggling to figure out what your character motivations are, maybe consider um, someone you have encountered in your lifetime and taking some of those experiences and adding it into the storyline. And this doesn't mean cloning your colleague and putting their exact story into the (laughs) storyline. It's okay if that's you or if you're doing a testimonial, then that's fine. Um, But use those situations as inspiration to um, build out that character and build out that story. And then I also want to leave you with a couple of things to consider um, when you are reading your stories. Um, Like I said earlier, we have to edit, 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 and scale back. So really consider what elements are most important to your story. In my benefits package I'm training, I didn't have to let you know where they were located geographically. That wasn't integral to the story. And so if you don't need that, take it out. Um, And then also really make sure you are putting this back to your learning objectives. You're relating it back to your learning objectives. You already have those determined um, when you're going into building your training. So make sure you're using those as a guide to craft your story. Um, and you don't have to hit all of those learning objectives. That's okay if you have other activities that are built into the course that are going to um, address those. Um, but make sure you are always bringing it back to those, those learning objectives so that your story serves a purpose at the end of the day. And then last, consider how you want to deliver this story. And so you can do it several ways. Um, you can do it through videos, whether you're doing something animated like Beyond, or you are having actors help out a, a little storyline. You can create branching scenarios in e-learning, and you can also create branching scenarios um, in real scenarios that your learners can role-play and play out. And that's really fun as well. Um, you can embed that training, that storyline, into the training as you move through the training. You are moving through the story like we did with our training, um, or you can do case studies or testimonials. So really get creative. I'm thinking of ways that you can, um, you can um, show these stories into your, your learning. Or you can implement those stories into your learning. So.
1: Yeah, I love that. Great ways to get started um, and things to consider as you're kind of taking this on maybe potentially for the first time. Um, So thank you, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing. I am um, curious if anybody watching has used stories. I'd love to hear about that. So drop that in the comments. I'm sure we'd love to see what stories you've used and how you've used them. Or if you have other um, tips and tricks that you wanna share with the world, drop those in the comments as well. But Monique, this was so helpful and so, fun just to kind of get to know you. Um, Mm -hmm. I knew you already, but now the audience can get to know you a little bit as well um, and to hear how you're using stories and how you've used them in the past. Um, It really is such a unique a unique part of your background, I think, to, to be able to pull like that theater piece into that learning yeah. piece. So to be able to, to share some of the stuff that you've learned over the years um, and how you can use it in learning is really, really fun and really um, interesting. So I'm glad that you could join me today and share a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me today. This was amazing. I love having time to connect with Heather. Um, so thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you. All right. So Monique had so much good information to share with us about storytelling, and I'm so glad that she was able to join us today um, to share that with you. Um, I mentioned in the beginning, these tactics, things like this, things like storytelling work when you're training is strategic and compassionately human-centered, right? It goes back to what Monique was saying about we want to make sure it's aligned with the objectives, and you want to think about your learner and what's going to resonate with them. So This, something like this, something like storytelling works when your training is strategic and compassionately human-centered. And that's my specialty. So if you're ready to create better virtual training, head over to my website and check out how we might be able to work together. That's it for today. Thanks for watching Learning for Good.
0: Thanks for listening to the Learning for Good podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate your support. Stay connected by subscribing anywhere you listen to podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review, and share the Learning for Good podcast with your community on social media.